Chapter Nine of Jacob's Ladder by E. Phillips Oppenheim. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The opportunity for an explanation between Jacob and his fellow speculators speedily presented itself. Amongst his letters on the following morning, Jacob found a somewhat pompous little note from Dane Montague inviting him to lunch at the Milam at half past one. Littleham, supremely uncomfortable in a new suit of clothes, was the other guest, and champagne was served before the three men had well taken their places. A celebration, ah, uh, Jacob observed, as he bowed to his two hosts. Mr. Montague cleared his throat. Our meeting might also be considered in that light, he admitted. Yesterday afternoon we sold the last plot of land on the Cropstone Wood estate. Capital, Jacob exclaimed. Full price. Sixpence a yard over. Jacob nodded approval. By the by, he said, I see that the water company is getting on very well with its connections. They must have several hundred men at work there. Mr. Montague appeared a little startled. Well, well, at any rate, we shall be able to keep our word. Electric light and water will be ready for every house as it is built. That reminds me of a question I was going to ask you, Jacob went on. What price are we going to charge for the electric light? What price? Montague murmured, balancing a knife upon his forefinger and watching it meditatively. The company will have to fix that amongst themselves, Littleham declared brusquely. One or two of the people who've bought plots have made inquiries, Jacob continued, without noticing the last speaker. I think they've begun to realize that they're pretty well at our mercy, or rather, at the mercy of the company. Well, that's not our business anyway, Montague replied evasively. I dare say it will be rather an expensive affair, connecting them all up. Jacob smiled knowingly. No need for us to bluff one another, he remarked, dropping his voice a little. We all three know what's in front of those unfortunate tenants. Serves them right for trying to buy the land too cheap. By the by, Montague, there's no mistake about that option. Mr. Montague coughed. None at all, he answered. When do you want my share of the purchase money? Mr. Dane Montague and his friend exchanged surreptitious glances. Presently, presently, the former replied, the option doesn't expire for two months yet. But there's another little matter concerning which Littleham and I have a proposition to make to you. Go ahead, Jacob invited. Every plot of land on the Cropstone Wood Estate has now been sold, Montague continued. The purchase price provided by you was £20,000. The land has been sold for 35000 of which sum 20% has been received. Precisely, Jacob agreed. We have £15,000, less expenses and interest, to divide between the three of us as the money comes in. In the ordinary course of events, Mr. Montague proceeded, it will no doubt be a year, at least, before the depositors will have paid up in full and a correct balance can be arrived at. Now Littleham and I are scarcely in your position. We need to turn our money over quickly. We therefore make to you the following proposition. Let the accounts be made out at once. Allow 6% interest upon all sums still owing from depositors. Give us a check for the whole amount of our share on that basis, and Littleham and I are willing to pay you five hundred pounds each for the accommodation. A dissolution of the partnership, in fact? Precisely, Montague assented. 
Then there's the taking over of the Electric Light and Water Company, Jacob remarked reflectively. I suppose you want to keep that entirely separate. Montague coughed. Entirely, he agreed. Supposing some of the purchasers should fail to make good their deposits. Then the deposits would belong to you, Montague pointed out, and the land could be resold elsewhere. Plenty of applicants for the land still, Littleham interposed gruffly. Jacob sipped his champagne and found it excellent. Very well, he assented. Make it fifteen hundred between you, and I'll take the whole thing over. Mr. Montague and his companion sat for an hour over another bottle of wine after their guests had departed. The faces of both were flushed, and their voices were a little husky, but they were filled with the complacency of men who have come out on the right side of a deal. Only Mr. Montague, every now and then, gave voice to some faint regret. He's such a prize mug, James, he said. It seems a shame we couldn't have handled him for something bigger. What are you grumbling at? Mr. Lillum replied, letting loose another button of his waistcoat. We're getting four thousand apiece profit on the sale of the land, and he's standing the racket for all of them who don't pay up, and there'll be a good few more of them than he fancies. Then, by this time next week, we can take up our option on the Cropstone Wood, Water, and Electric Light Company. And if Mr. Jacob Pratt thinks he's in on that deal, he's making the mistake of his life. I ain't surprised so much at the land purchasers, the builder went on reflectively. They're all the same. They buy a plot of land, and they think the Lord will send them gas and water and that sort of thing, and that the price is fixed by act of Parliament, and they can't be diddled. But a man like Pratt, laying out the money he has, and simply knowing that there was a water and electric light plant on which you and I had an option, and imagining we should take him in without an agreement or even a letter, take him in on a proposition likely to pay at least thirty percent, well, it's a fair knockout. We ought to have made our fortunes out of a jay like that, Mr. Montague agreed, with a shade of sadness in his tone. About a fortnight later, two very agitated-looking visitors burst precipitately into Jacob's outer office. Mr. Montague's complexion was of that pasty hue described as chalky white. He was breathing heavily, and he had lost all the nice precision of speech intended to convey the suggestion that in his leisure hours he was a man of culture. Mr. Littleham was still more out of breath. His necktie had disappeared around his neck, and beads of perspiration were standing out upon his forehead. "'Where's the governor?' Mr. Montague almost shouted. "'Boss in?' Mr. Littleham demanded simultaneously. Dauncey rose from his seat and eyed the visitors coldly. "'Have you an appointment with Mr. Pratt?' he asked. "'Appointment be damned,' the builder began. "'We want—' "'Look here,' Mr. Montague interrupted, the methods of his race asserting themselves in his persuasive tone. "'It is most important that we should see Mr. Pratt at once.' "'Nothing wrong Cropstone way, is there?' Dauncey inquired. "'I thought you were out of that now.' "'Is the governor in, or isn't he?' Littleham demanded, mopping his forehead. Dauncey spoke through an office telephone, and after a very brief delay, threw open the door of the private office and ushered in the two callers. Jacob looked up from some papers as they entered and stared at them a little blankly. "'Good morning, gentlemen,' he said. "'I thought we had parted company for a time.' Littleham, usually the silent partner, asserted himself then. He pushed the trembling Montague to one side 
and stood squarely before the desk. Look here, Pratt, he demanded. Have you bought the Cropstone Wood, Water, and Electric Light Company? Certainly I have, Jacob replied. What about it? When? Oh, within a few days of your first coming to me. Within a few days, Mr. Montague almost shrieked. Jacob leaned back in his chair, crossed his legs, and glanced with a momentary satisfaction at his well-polished brown shoes and white gaiters. "'My good friends,' he said, "'you could scarcely expect me to put down twenty thousand pounds for land without making arrangements for the water supply and lighting. I went into the matter with a local solicitor and found that, as the company was practically moribund, the best way was to buy it outright. I'm going to incorporate it with Cropstone Wood Estates and make one concern. You bought the water company behind our backs and never said a word about it, Montague demanded thickly. Why on earth should I say anything to you, Jacob retorted. We had an option ourselves, Littleham thundered, striking the desk with his clenched fist. I remember you telling me so, Jacob observed. I also remember your telling me that it had another two months to run, whereas it expires tomorrow. What I don't seem to remember, though, is your asking me for my share of the contributing money. Jacob had never appeared more guileless. The two men became speechless in the face of his bland equanimity. Then Montague cleared his throat. Come, come, he remonstrated. No need for any of us to lose our tempers. Let us sit down and discuss this little matter like gentlemen. I am quite sure Mr. Pratt will do the square thing. I propose that we adjourn to the Milam. A bottle of the old sort, huh, Pratt? Jacob leaned back in his chair, his fingertips pressed together, and shook his head sorrowfully. I do not think, he said, that I shall ever drink with either of you again. You entered into a conspiracy behind my back to keep the Cropstone Wood Water and Electric Light Company in your joint possession. Your scheme being to make use of the old charter the company possessed and to charge outrageous prices for the water and lighting. With that in view, you relieved yourself of your interest in the land at some sacrifice, expecting to land me with the whole estate and leaving me to bear the whole brunt of the complaints and the failure of the depositors to carry out their purchases. That, I believe, is a fair outline of your scheme. Messrs. Montague and Littleham elaborated, Mark you, after you had mentioned the matter of the water and lighting to me on your first visit and pointed out the additional source of profit. You relied, I presume, either on my blind confidence in you or my bad memory. I can assure you, Pratt, Mr. Montague began piteously. Damn, his confederate ejaculated with fervor. Fortunately, Jacob continued, I'm not quite such a mug as I must have seemed to you. Before I parted with the money for the land, I paid a visit to the offices of the Cropstone Wood, Water, and Electric Light Company. Examined your option and finding it illegal, as it was signed only by the chairman of the company, without notice to the shareholders, I obtained one in my own name, which I exercised within a few hours. I am now the sole owner of the Cropstone Wood Water and Electric Light Company and the Cropstone Wood Estates, also of this office, gentlemen, from which I beg that you will depart as quickly as possible. I'm damned if I'll stir a foot, Littleham declared furiously. We've been swindled. Jacob struck his bell, and Dauncey came in with a very grim look upon his face. Mr. Dane Montague caught up his hat and plucked at the sleeve of his companion. "'You shall hear from our solicitors,' he sputtered. D. 
Delighted, Jacob replied. I should keep the six and eightpence, though, if I were you. Two very angry men were escorted off the premises. Then Dauncey returned with a grin upon his face. I beg your pardon, Jacob, he said humbly. I never dreamed that you had them pickled. Tell me about it. It was really very simple, Jacob explained. They came to me with two schemes, one legitimate and the other illegitimate. The legitimate one appealed to me. I found the money, bought the estate, and saw that they had a decent profit. As regards to the illegitimate one, I meant them on their own ground. I got that young fellow whom we came across down at Cropstone to look into the affairs of the Water and Lighting Company, found that they were an absolutely moribund concerned, bought them out for cash with the sole condition of secrecy, and sat tight. If Montague and Littleham had kept their bargain, that is to say, if they had let me in on their scheme for purchasing the company, I should have told them the truth. A few plain words would have passed, and I should have compensated them for their disappointment. As it was, they tried to be too clever. They tried to land me with the remainder of the property. After they had made their profit, and with the money I paid them, they were going to take over what they imagined to be the more profitable side of the deal, the water and lighting company, and leave me out of it. That's the long and short of it, Dick. A gleam of admiration shone in Dauncey's eyes. My congratulations, Jacob, he murmured. I have underestimated your talents. Jacob smiled benevolently. Dick, he rejoined, we haven't yet had time to gain much experience in the world of high finance. But here's one little truism which you can take to heart. It's easier to get the best of a rogue than of a jay. The jay has a rule, knows he's a jay and is terrified all the time, lest other people should find it out. The rogue believes that he is cleverer than he is, and that other people are bigger fools than they are. Shall we? By all means, Dauncey acquiesced, reaching promptly for his hat. End of chapter 9